everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lizzie. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, I have a fun question for you guys. Oh, so do I. D- also. What? <laughs> I was going to say ditto. <laughs> and it started to come out as dibs, which was wrong. So I just said also. <laughs> move along. Move along. Okay. We're doing great. I uh, just thought of something funny. I thought okay. you guys should answer. And I'm curious to see um, what you would say about me in this question. A little get to know you with the we'll TTG. Get, get to know you real quick. Okay. How long would you last in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> oh, for a while. I bet you would. Yeah. You'd stay inside. I'd stay inside. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm fine if they're zombies. I'm fine unaliving them. If they're animal zombies, though, I probably couldn't. Not aliving Death them? Death unaliving. them? Well, you know, I've been watching TikTok, TikTok. lately. <laughs> it, that's you can't a, say killing on It's a bad TikTok. word. Oh, okay. I was like, what is unaliving? <laughs> so you'd be death by zombie dog. Oh, yeah. Zombie uh, I'd probably werewolf. pet it. Okay. Yeah. After like a couple weeks, maybe? The, um, fun fact, it, pertaining to this kind of, there was a snake in our windowsill. Oh, There's like to go, snake in my not. window. To go in the basement. <gasps> I noticed it while I was watering the flowers. I was like, oh, hi, snake. Before I thought about, is this a nice snake or a not nice snake? I so, wouldn't know. Luckily, it was a nice snake, but I oh, no, I got not. far too close to it before I ever thought maybe I should think about these things. One time I was on a jog in the Ozarks, and I almost stepped on a copperhead. No, oh. I hate snake stories so much. It was all coiled up in a little tiny ball. No. I didn't even oh, hardly see gosh. it. Blended mine, right in. Mine had a baby. Oh, with it? it? Cute. Yeah. That's kind of cute. It was. Uh, don't worry. They're gone now. Lizzie, how long are you going to last? Um... <laughs> Immediate death? Immediate death. Because <laughs> this was actually like we did this as a project once in grad school about oh, interesting. take your team for your zombie apocalypse and nobody oh. wanted me on their team. Oh, that's hurtful. Because one of the first things I said is I can't unalive someone. <laughs> I will never be able to shoot a zombie. I'm sorry. Oh, really? Yes. I probably could. So they would eat me because I'm not willing to shoot them. Well, here's the problem for me. I don't know how to shoot a gun. You so would learn. I'm going to need to be Daryl and have like a bow and arrow. I could probably do that. You think a bow and arrow is easier to shoot than a gun? If somebody could teach me, it, I can that's reload a lot a of bow arm and arrow. strength. No, his is like a I don't like know. a crossbow. Crossbow. Yeah, his is a crossbow. Mm. My bad. I feel like it's the same principle of aiming and shooting. So <laughs> I think <laughs> similar. I'm confused how you can operate one and not the other. I think you would live Just longer don't know than how. Lindsay, but not as long as me, because eventually you'd want to start talking to them. <laughs> like if I got real lonely. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, you would get lonely. I would. Yeah. She, if I was by myself. I mean, we've already discussed you're the first to die in the horror movie. Yeah, but that's different. Those people are alive. If I know these are that's zombies, true. I'm not going to go out there intentionally. Or maybe, well, I don't know. Okay, my question, if you were born 100 years earlier, what would your occupation be? Oh, gosh. All right, so it would be 1923. Mm-hmm. Roaring 20s. Yeah. We'd well, be, I'd be a flapper, We'd obviously. be in the radium. <laughs> radium. <laughs> I mean, you'd be a radium girl. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> I'm trying to think like what women could do in the 1920s. That's why I was like. When she said Rowan 20s, I was like, oh, obviously, I'd You're be a flapper. flapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Your ankles would be exposed. Yeah. She's a harlot. That think they Chicago. Thank you. I was like, I can't think of the word for it. <laughs> and what think would you Chicago. do? Yes. <laughs> I'd be having a grand old time dancing um, around. I'd, I don't know. I'd probably just be a stay-at-home You'd mom. be a housewife. I'd be a housewife. <laughs> I'm not, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to work in a factory. Okay. 
That's all I can think of. You'd be a nurse. I would. Mm Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to have a stethoscope because those are for doctors. Yeah, those are only doctors <laughs> and you'd have to wear like the dress and the hat. With the white cap. But maybe you could be working. Is this like pre-TB epidemic? This is you like. You could be working in uh, Waverly Hills. Post-Spanish flu. Okay. I'm thinking that would be kind of cool. You and also don't sad. want to be assisting with lobotomies? Yes. Yes. Sure. <laughs> but like, giving us like the weirdest face. Well, I feel like, like go to Waverly Hills. This is cool. I feel like <laughs> nurses back then did not have the the fun jobs that they do now. Well, it's definitely different, but I mean, you still interacted with patients. Women and gave in general didn't and... have fun jobs compared no. to now. Yeah. What would be your drag queen name? Oh gosh, <laughs> there's a test for this. There is. I need the test. I need a prompt. <laughs> Drag it's like your name. first oh god i'm not even gonna that's try. your soap your soap opera name i've heard of before but i haven't heard of the drag queen one okay okay there are options ready um okay we're start with, starting with sarah okay you were born in november so you're madam oh obviously first letter of your first name is s mimi madam mimi Ooh, double first M. letter of your last name madam mimi balls <laughs> You guys are both going to be Mimi. <laughs> I am. Lindsay, you are born in September. Lady. Ooh. Lady Charity Delight. Oh, I love that. This is a lot more innocent than mine. <laughs> Mimi balls. Shut up, Mimi balls. I'm it's Charity Madam Delight. Mimi balls to you. <laughs> Madam balls. It's Madam balls to you. <laughs> I'm Lady Delight. <laughs> yeah, you are. Mine is Dame Mimi Eleganza. Eleganza. Wow. You're so fancy. You're Dame. Very exotic sounding. Dame Eleganza. And here's a second one, just in case you want a different name. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, I'm mad at Mimi Balls is up there. I don't know. <laughs> I do like Mimi Balls. <laughs> Lindsay, you are Pandora Del Rio. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Ooh, it has a ring. Sarah is Regina Eleganza. Ooh, Regina. They really like this Eleganza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My name is Regina Sauvage. <laughs> and then finally... Oh, how many drag queen names options. are we getting? <laughs> I like it. Um, I would be Coco Chacha. Ooh, I love that. Coco Chacha. <laughs> La Coco that's Cha-cha, it. That's the one. La Coco Cha. Yes, that would be my song. She come out and shimmy. Yes, she's singing me shimmying underneath my with maracas. Ooh. I love that for you. That's it. That's the name for you. Yep, that's the best of the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah's Coco Heart. Oh, that's very sweet. I like. I, I Madame, like Mimi balls. It's Madame Mimi, Mimi balls. balls. Yeah. That's it. One hundred percent. Lindsay, Princess Glitter. Oh. <laughs> Did you say glitter or glitter? Gl- G. Oh, glitter. <laughs> sounded like glitter. I was like, whoa. That's whatever you want it to be. Like princess glitter. <laughs> um, I don't know. What was it? Was something charity? Lady, uh, lady charity, lady something charity. No, lady no. delight, lady delight, charity delight, lady charity delight. Oh gosh, <laughs> there was three words and I got them confused. Okay, I love them. Wait, hang on. Oh, there's one more. We've that got might, more. That might be nice. Oh, gosh. Lindsay. Yes. What's your date of birth? I know September 24th. Good job. Such a good friend. <laughs> oh, it's a good one. <laughs> I think we found it. Lusty Buns. Oh, oh 
Oh, <laughs> these are That's more it. sensual. That's it. That's the one. Lusty buns. November 11th. It's the 10th. God damn it. <laughs> oh, take away your okay. friend card. Anyway, um, you are Kiki Dream. Let's do a Kiki. Mimi Balls. Let's have a Kiki, not do a Kiki. I <laughs> am. Let's have a Kiki. LaShonda Tucker. Ooh. Oh, okay. So, great question. <laughs> Thank Next. you. I didn't know that Ready? would go off. So. <laughs> <laughs> go off. Well, that there would be so many quizzes. Okay, this one is really going to pick your brain. Would you rather explore space or the deep sea? Space. Ooh, why? You know, some people can say we know more about space than we do the deep sea, but there is at least a lot of things and creatures we know about the deep sea, but I don't know a lot of creatures of space, and I would like to find them. She wants to find the aliens. Would you go, like, say we could go anywhere without any health problems or dying? Mm-hmm. Would you do that? Oh, for sure. What? Have you seen that, that one she movie? She wants to go meet the mercs and the jupes. I mean, Hold on. I get What's it. the one movie? I'm tired of the humes. <laughs> The Humes are getting Interstellar? Have you seen Interstellar? Which, who has? Who's in it? Matthew Anne, McConaughey. Anne Hathaway? Matthew McConaughey? Oh, my God. I don't know. If you haven't, you must. I insist. Okay. Okay. I forgot the question. Space <laughs> or sea? Both of them terrify me. Me too. We're going to say deep sea. Because yeah. if I die, I feel like dying in space is more painful and worse than dying. Than being crushed. No, I feel like you're, to death you're in crushed the sea. to death in, in space. Like you're just, Both. you're gone. It's a vacuum. You're crushed to death either way. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're but not going to crush to death. could drown in the sea. No, yeah. there's going to, we know for a fact you're going to come out fine. Okay. Um, deep sea. Okay. Same. Okay. It's less scary. Why? Less scary. And I think it's just, the, the ocean's beautiful. I don't know. I think it would be really pretty to explore. Maybe we'll find Nessie. Okay. Down there. Or so the maybe Nessie made it to the ocean. If you had to lose a limb, which one would it be and why? <laughs> Gosh. I hate them all. Like, could it all just be like a finger or are we talking like a whole arm? A whole limb. Not an Jesus. appendage, a limb. Um, I'd probably say my left leg. I don't want to lose an arm. I was going to say left leg too, but I really, then I'm like prosthetic legs i feel like are okay have yeah. come a long way i like that that's easier i think okay. i mean they all would be very difficult and challenging they, they'd be difficult but i feel like i could figure out a prosthetic leg versus a prosthetic arm easier yeah same okay okay what is the most ridiculous thing that you believed as a kid oh god <laughs> um you look embarrassed <laughs> Like you're trying to decide if you want to tell us. Yeah, it's kind of bad. <laughs> okay, oh. like in not in a funny way. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, I believed that all you had to do was go to college and get a nice job, and your life would be wonderful. This <laughs> took a depressing turn. Yeah. Not <laughs> uh, like I oh, believed sadly. in Santa Claus. <laughs> sadly, we all believed that. <laughs> Here Mar- we are. The American dream lied to us. <laughs> I can't really think of anything like that off the top of my head. <laughs> um, but I can think of two things that I m- mispronounced for several years and nobody told me. Oh, this is a club I can join. Yes. Sure, that's the same thing. Hurt my feelings. Okay, let's do that. And I believed that it was pronounced this way. Okay. The word magenta. <laughs> can call it magenta? All the way off. <laughs> I thought it was magneta. <laughs> and nobody corrected me. You're just being fancy. <laughs> magneta. 
<laughs> that was hurtful. And also Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Uh, it was ab- obviously a Grand Prix. <laughs> and there was a car called a Grand Prix that I loved and I wanted Pontiac, one. yeah. Yes. My sister had one. You said I wanted a Grand Prix. I wanted a Grand Prix. Uh, like, I'm talking through like sixth grade. Nobody told me. Listen, I was saying coo wrong up until two years ago. <laughs> I think like There's a couple months things. ago, I we told you something. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a kid, I used to call like Italian dressing Italian. Oh, and my parents thought I was being adorable until they realized I honestly thought it was called Italian. That is kind of cute. <laughs> Did you have anything that you believed in that was embarrassing? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come to me later. I just couldn't think of anything. I'm sure. There was lots. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have given your background <laughs> a very sheltered life. <laughs> I checked underneath yeah. my bed for the longest time. Mm-hmm. That's just common sense, y'all. Okay, boogeyman. <laughs> no, if I was a murderer, I would hide under someone's bed. Speaking of boogeyman, <gasps> we're going to talk about a real life boogeyman, aren't we? A real mm-hmm. life boogeyman. What's our topic tonight? John Crime. Oh, John. <laughs> I thought she was going to spoil the name. <laughs> His name <It's>... is John. <laughs> That's our true crime remix. John. <laughs> John List. We're doing a true We're talking crime. about John. You know John. John List. You heard about him? Well, I had not heard of him until you guys said, just said this topic. Yeah. Uh, she did. I Googled and I was like, oh yeah, that's fascinating. It is. It's mm-hmm. kind of a fascinating story. In a terrible way. Absolutely. And let me tell you about him. His name was John List. <laughs> you yes. don't say. We got that. <laughs> uh, just to clarify. And got he it. was born in Bay City, Michigan. And was an only child to John and Alma. And I know he and his father are both named John, but he's not a junior because they had different middle names. Oh. John, John. Wait, is that what differentiates John and John Juniors? You have to have like the same full name. The exact name. name. I literally did not know that. My friend is a third. So him. Oh, he's Trey. Yes. Mike's a junior. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I did not know that. You learned something new. You learned something new. Um, The family were devout Lutherans and assisted with Sunday school. Uh, List graduated high school in 1943 and enlisted in the army that same year. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Oh, I was like, what? Got it. Enlisted. (laughs) Uh, He served as a laboratory technician during World War II. His father died the next year in 1944 and enlisted or discharged from the army in 1946. (laughs) (laughs) After he was discharged, he enrolled at the University of Michigan, where he earned a bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's degree in accounting. Oh, don't you know? That was my Michigan accent. (laughs) Isn't that more like Minnesota? (laughs) I think so. They're they're close to each other. (laughs) They are close. That was her impression of list. So I can't say anything except for that phrase. I'm from Michigan, don't you know? <laughs> it's supposed to be Minnesota, so I tried. Okay, got it. He's from Michigan. We sound just like him. <laughs> While at college, he was also a member of the Reserve Officer Training Corps, also known as the ROTC. There you go. The Korean War had escalated by November 1950, and List was called to active duty. He met his future wife while stationed at Fort Eustis, Virginia. His future wife, her name was Helen Morris Taylor, a widow of an infantry officer killed in action in Korea. Fun fact. My <laughs> grandma's name was Helen Taylor. My cat's name was Morris, so together. 
full circle. <laughs> <laughs> may he rest in peace. Also uh, her. Yeah, may they rest in peace. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Helen, she lived nearby with her daughter, Brenda. Um, Helen and John were married in 1951, and the family then moved to California. It was there that the Army reassigned him to the Finance Corps, which is apparently a thing and is a support branch that is responsible for not only payroll to the military, but purchasing and acquiring supplies and services. So, very important. He sounds like it. He served uh, for another tour in 1952 and then moved the family to Detroit, Michigan, where he worked for an accounting firm. Later, he switched jobs to be an audit supervisor at a paper company in Kalamazoo. Dunder Mifflin, mm. is that you? Yes, <laughs> it is me. <laughs> it's their branch in Michigan. Oh, yes, that's right. Kalamazoo is also where his three children were born. Mm, Kalamazoo. Oh, now that that is maybe Swedish, Dutch. <laughs> Who knows? I think it sounded pretty good to me. <laughs> By 1959, List was the general supervisor of the accounting department. Around this time, Helen was becoming more and more unstable, which one of you two gets into later. Me! Mm -hmm. And his stepdaughter, Brenda, married and left the house. List moved the rest of the family to Rochester, New York, and took a job with Xerox, where he became the director of accounting. What's a New York accent? Hey, I'm working here. <laughs> yes. Now that was good. Thank you. Was that Boston? Or? That's what I kept saying when we were in Boston. I'm walking here. <laughs> you did. We dared you to do it while you were walking across the street. It worked. It did. <laughs> in 1965, he became vice president and head of accounting at a bank in New in, in Jersey City, New Jersey. With his job change came another move. Liz relocated his wife. Helen, his children, Patricia, Frederick, and yet another John. Uh, also, I believe this might be a junior. Uh, oh, is he an actual junior? I think he is a junior. And his mother, Alma, into a 19-room Victorian mansion named Breeze Knoll. This was located at 431 Hillside Avenue in Westfield, New Jersey, which, fun fact, is only two blocks away from the Watcher House. To, live, fun in, facts. to live in a house one day that has its own name because it's that fancy. That's the dream. Okay. I dreamed a dream of time gone by. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you started out really low, though, so I didn't know what to do with my tone. Yeah, well, you got to start low. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So we're going to get into a little bit more of the details about motives and why John decided to do the things that he did. Um, but for now, I'm going to tell you guys what he did. Um, he just kind of had made the decision that he was going to go ahead and get rid of his entire family. He already owned two different guns, a handgun that he owned from the military and his father's Colt revolver. November 5th, 1971, he told his children that they would die soon and asked them if they preferred to be buried or cremated. They all chose to be buried. This was a very weird conversation, obviously. Things that you don't really talk about to young children I mean, maybe it comes up here and there, but it did seem kind of weird. And when he dropped the kids off at school, Patricia actually told her teacher that she feared that her father would kill her and her siblings. And nothing happened after that for her, sadly. How do you think the teacher felt after she found they found out that she had I been I can't murdered? even imagine. That's awful. Mm -hmm. So just four days later on November 9th, 1971, 
John gets the kids off to school in the morning and acts like this is a normal day. He then goes into the kitchen where he finds Helen drinking her morning coffee. And this is when he shot Helen in the back of the head. His mother heard the commotion and began yelling, asking what was going on. So he ran up the stairs to his mother's room where she was staying in a separate type apartment. He pointed the gun at his mom and shot her in the head above the left eye, killing her instantly. He then went to the basement, got some sleeping bags and laid them out in the family's ballroom. He dragged Helen's body out on top of the sleeping bag and laid it on top. And he left his mother's body upstairs in the apartment. Throughout the day, he worked on cleaning some of the crime scene. Um, and mostly because John had been diagnosed at some point in his life with OCD and the mess just drove him crazy. So he just didn't really care that he was going to get caught necessarily, but there was just too much mess. So he had to clean it up. He also decided he was going to mail himself a key to his desk. So it would be in the mailbox. And um, he was hopeful that officers would eventually find this key and use it to open his desk instead of breaking into it. Again, it's because his OCD just couldn't handle the thought of him them breaking the desk instead of using the key to open it nicely. He had some issues. As if this story isn't sad enough, Patty, the daughter, she was sick at school, so she called home to be picked up early. And when she got home, John shot her in the back of the head and dragged her body also next to Helen's. Later on in the day, he picked up Fred, their youngest, and Fred was very eager to get inside to feed his fish. So while Fred was feeding the fish, John shot him also in the back of the head. John decided to go ahead and take a break. He decided he was hungry and he needed some lunch, so he did just that. After the lunch, he went to the bank and closed his bank account along with his mother's account. Then he drove to Westfield High School to watch his oldest son, Johnny, play in a soccer game. When they arrived home, John shot Johnny, but Johnny didn't immediately die. He was shot two more times while Johnny was crawling away from him. And even after this, Johnny's eyes were still fluttering, so he ended up shooting him a total of 10 times. John then dragged Johnny's body to the sleeping bags with the others from his family. By now, the bodies of his wife and children were laid on top of the sleeping bags right next to each other. And as I mentioned, his mother's body remained in the apartment. John wrote a five-page letter to his pastor and said he'd rather send his family to heaven than have them live on welfare. He was convinced that this would ensure their safe arrival to heaven. He went ahead and spent the night at this house, even though his family was dead all inside, cleaning. And he was actually pretty clever about what he did. And Lindsay might get into this more, I'm not sure, but he cut his picture out of every picture that he could find so that police had no reliable picture of his own face. The next day, November 10th, an unfortunate day. That's your birthday. I know. Why'd you have to ruin it, John? Before he leaves the house, he turns on or blares religious station that may have been classical music. There's kind of differing reports on that. And he left the house, not to be seen again for many, many years. One month after the List family was murdered, neighbors called police and said that Lights had been left on for all hours of the day for a month straight. They noticed the light bulbs were burning out one by one and thought this was kind of suspicious. Some people might wonder why it took so long for the neighbors to call police, but apparently the family was pretty reclusive anyway, so this was fairly normal behavior for them to just be in the house. On top of that, John had taken care of pretty much everything that might, might bring somebody over to the house any sooner. 
As I mentioned earlier, he had quote unquote handled things that might make police suspicious, but we later find out that he had written a letter to the children's schools and their part-time jobs claiming that they would be visiting Helen's sick mother in North Carolina. He also canceled the milk delivery, the mail, and newspapers. So finally, officers show up to the house and go inside where they find the bodies of the List family. And just an interesting fact before we move on to the next section, because some of you might be wondering what happened to this house. The house they lived in remained empty until it was destroyed by a fire in August of 1972, nine months after the murders. It was officially ruled as arson, but they never figured out who did it. John? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. So we find out this timeline all later because, like Sarah said, it took quite a long time to find him. Yeah, what, like 18 years? 18 years is how long it took to find John. That's a long time. So looking back now, we know what happened after the murders, and I'm going to kind of fill you guys in on that part. So 1971 is when the murders happened in November. We now know that he traveled by train from New Jersey to Michigan. Oh, back to Michigan. (laughs) There you go. And then to Colorado. (laughs) I think Colorado is just a normal yeah, they're Midwest. Normal Midwest. Okay. Um, so he settled in Denver in early 1972. And fun fact, he was suspected to be part of the D.B. Cooper case. Weird. You don't say. Fun fact, you'll hear more about this case. True. Very soon. So after eventually John was captured, he was questioned by the FBI um, about the D.B. Cooper case. He denied any involvement. And we know now it is... Still unsolved today, and he's no longer considered a suspect by the FBI. So, wasn't him. Just a little fun fact. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Look, I I killed my family, but I didn't steal the money. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Whatever you say, John. Um, So, John, back in Colorado, he took an accounting job under the name Robert Peter Clark and went by the name Bob. Naturally. The most generic name. Yeah. Bob Bob Clark. Bob Clark. (laughs) I mean, listen, he went from John List to Bob Clark. True. Not All much. right. Not much. Yeah, not much more plain. It's okay. Should have been John Smith. Here you go. All right. So from 1979 to 1986, he worked at a paper box manufacturing company, Dunder Mifflin Part 2. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this is sounding like Dunder Mifflin. He joined a Lutheran church, um, ran the carpool for church members, was an upstanding guy, basically. He met Dolores Miller at a church gathering, and they were married in 1985. In February of 1988, they moved to Midlothian, Virginia, where Bob continued to work as an accountant at a small accounting firm. I'm surprised he went back to the East Coast. I am He's too. Pretty, like, feeling pretty confident, I think, about himself. I mean, that's 1988. It's been yeah, he thought 17 he was years. Free and clear. Mm-hmm. So the next year, May 1989, this is an 18-year-old crime, and America's Most Wanted aired an episode on him. So the show actually, which is pretty cool for 1989 had an age progressed clay bust that was sculpted by a forensic artist based off what they thought it would look like as him today well today meaning 1989 mm-hmm. and this was done by uh, forensic artist frank bender and he's it, a real hero here he's a real hero <laughs> and it actually turned out to be a pretty close depiction so close in fact that he was arrested within two weeks of the show being on the air He was arrested at a Richmond accounting firm after a neighbor from Denver recognized him and alerted the authorities. Another hero there. Seriously. So List stood by his name being Bob 
It's not me, I'm Bob. <laughs> For a long time. He did not break. Oh, geez. So again, this is May 1989 is when he's arrested. <laughs> they extradite him to New Jersey and have all of this evidence against him. And finally, February 16th, 1990, he's like, okay, yeah, it's me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> they had a fingerprint right. match. <laughs> <laughs> they had a fingerprint match um, that they compared to when he was in the military that was an identical match and evidence from him that linked him to the crime scene. But still, took him, what, nine months? Yeah. Nine months before he's like, you got me. (laughs) It was a fun run, guys. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. No, I'd break easily. (laughs) Yes, you would. (laughs) They wouldn't even get through the Miranda rights. I know. Yeah, I did it. You have to remain silent. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, it was me. (laughs) You don't even have to. Just don't even ask me. I don't want to remain silent. Um, But also, did you know I have a podcast? (laughs) I can mess it all on there. <laughs> I'd make you guys famous. Thank you. You're welcome. All I right. think that'd be infamous, but yes. yes. Mm. We wouldn't want to be known. <laughs> True. So at trial. If you get arrested for murder, please don't mention us. <laughs> Noted. Thank you. Okay. I you... can't promise anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> I promise. She just said noted. If I am a cellmate, I am blabbing everything. Yeah. I mean... I might be able to hold out for like a little bit, but you're not going to last long in prison. You're going to be the snitch. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, like to, I just like to talk to people. I don't know. I think you'd be like a popular one in prison. Oh, ooh. Like, <laughs> is that a bad thing? <laughs> like I'd be everyone's bitch. You would do well in prison. No, I you. Think, <laughs> I think everyone would like you. <laughs> All right. So now we know how Sarah's going to do in prison. <laughs> Fun fact, not well. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree, but okay. We're going to go to trial. Okay. Okay, let's do it. All right. So at trial, we finally find out the motive here. Uh-huh. So at trial, List confessed that his financial difficulties reached a crisis level back in 1971. Uh-huh. He was laid off because his bank was closed, but he did not want to share this with his family. So he continued to get up and get dressed every day, leave the home and act like he was going to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was not. Sketchy. He was going to the train station or he would go to job interviews and just find ways to waste his time reading the newspaper. So he kept up the facade basically because he was afraid of being humiliated. He was afraid of what people would say, what his family would say. So he didn't tell anyone. He was diverting money from his mother's bank accounts to avoid defaulting on his mortgage. Um, Their financial problems continued to get worse, and he even told his kids to get part-time work to teach them responsibility when really he just wanted them to bring money into the home. Mm. And then he was also dealing with Helen. Yeah. Helen had her own set of problems. Helen had some problems, mainly being she was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. and she had untreated syphilis. That's a really big problem, actually. It was a problem, yeah. especially in the 70s, and it was like end-stage syphilis. She had contracted it from her first husband and kept it hidden from John for 18 years. And just to be clear, like, I know syphilis is an STD, but it can cause problems in a lot of different places in your body, mostly your brain. So yes. for those of you listening, you're like, ah, oh, syphilis, what's the problem? Well, <laughs> it can cause a lot of problems with your brain, and uh, I'm guessing that that's what she had, mm-hmm. neurosyphilis. Blindness. Yeah. Of which she was... She was blind, or half blind at least. Mm -hmm. So according to trial testimony, Helen had pressured List into marriage by falsely claiming that she was pregnant. Then she insisted on getting married in Maryland, which at that time did not require a premarital syphilis test in 
back then those were mandated in most of the states. Up until like the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. She got around that. So he did not know, is what I'm saying, that she had syphilis. Sure. Until the end of her life. Um, her health continued to deteriorate, um, but she did not say anything to List or her doctors until 1969, so two years before she was killed. By then, the progression was so bad, um, combined with her alcoholism, that, quote, it had transformed her from an attractive young woman to an unkempt and paranoid recluse. Um, she publicly humiliated List constantly. She compared him to her first husband um, in regards to his sexual performance. Spoiler alert, he did not come out the winner in that competition. Oof. To this guy who had lost his job, couldn't afford anything. He's already the lowest of the low. Yep. She kicked him. She kicked, kicked him, him while he's down. Yeah. Kicked him real hard and found out that she'd been lying to him for their entire marriage. So. Yeah. I think this is what set him off. So a court-appointed psychiatrist testified that List suffered from, like Sarah said, OCD, and that he saw only two options, either accept welfare or kill his family and send them to heaven. And to him, welfare was unacceptable. It was not even an option. But murder, murder was an option. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, it was reasonable. Because he was doing them a favor. Yes. His thinking was that welfare would expose him and his family. Um, it violated his morals of taking care of his family and being the provider and was seen as a weakness. So, I feel like a better option would be to sell your 19-room mansion <laughs> and yes. just move into something more sensible. Like uh -huh. a four-bedroom house. Right. Maybe three. <sighs> so on April 12th, 1990, List was convicted of five counts of first-degree murder. At his sentencing hearing, he denied any direct responsibility for the crimes. Quote, I feel that because of my mental state at the time, I was unaccountable for what happened. I ask all affected by this for their forgiveness, understanding, and prayers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Judge was not having it. He sentenced him to five consecutive life sentences, the maximum penalty allowed at the time. Judge said, quote, John... Emil List is without remorse and without honor. After 18 years, five months, and 22 days, it is now time for the voices of Helen, Alma, Patricia, Frederick, and John F. to rise from the grave. That's a creepy John way of F. saying that, but he was not a junior. Johnny. No, it says John F. List. So there they had go. a different Mystery middle. Solved. Mm -hmm. So basically saying, look, he... John Famel. <laughs> Sorry. Famel. Judge is like, he got away with it for 18 years. He didn't even confess for the longest yeah. time. There's no remorse here. Absolutely not. List, of course, filed an appeal on the grounds that his judgment had been impaired by his PTSD from serving in the military. And he also argued that the letter that he left behind in the crime scene, that five-page confession, uh, was a confidential communication with his pastor and therefore <laughs> cool. inadmissible in court as evidence. Interesting. Does that count for murder? Um, a federal appeals court said no and rejected both of those arguments. Okay. Noted. It's a no. Yes. Okay. It, it, it does not. You're like, no. There's not like <laughs> pastor confidentiality like there is like physician-patient confidentiality or like therapist-patient. Like there's rules and boards and stuff no like HIPAA. that. They don't have like it's a board yeah. of license and things like that. So, the board is Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ would have wanted you to confess <laughs> a long time ago. Or maybe just not do it. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. It just like, I honestly believe he thought that that couldn't be used against him because yeah. he was so Obviously. careful about everything else, but he leaves a five page confession. Yeah. It yeah. made him feel better. So he did eventually re um, express remorse in 2002. He was interviewed and said, quote, I wish I had never done what I did. I regretted my action and prayed for forgiveness ever since. End quote. He said he had not killed himself because he believed that would prevent him from going to heaven where he would be reunited with his family. Mm -hmm. Okay, there it is. His family that he killed. Right. Yes, which, uh, I mean, that is a 
theme in a lot of religions that if you kill yourself, you go to hell. So Mm -hmm. I can understand that line of thought for him where he thought he would go to hell if he killed himself too. But isn't murder a sin? But he's doing them a favor, remember? Is does he really think he's gonna meet up with them if he murdered them? No idea. I think he had some problems. I think you're right. Here's (laughs) so here is the thinking behind that philosophy or uh, not philosophy, theology. You can murder someone, you can commit any sin, whatever, but you can ask for forgiveness for that. But if you kill yourself, you do not have time to ask for forgiveness for that. And so the thinking is that oh, you could, die before you ask for forgiveness, you go to hell. So he could do it. He could murder people, ask for forgiveness, and, and still get okay. into heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Based off your beliefs. Yeah. So List. That's me being sarcastic. Yes. Okay. <laughs> List died of complications from pneumonia at the age of 82 on March 21st, 2008. He was incarcerated in New Jersey, but died in the hospital at St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey. So he served about... Is that 18 years, 1990, 2008? hmm So he was on the run for 18 years and only served 18 years of his That's equal. got off pretty easy there. Yes. And there was quotes from other people who had the same sentiment that he got off fairly easy. And I had heard something, too, about when he was living in Denver and he was dating another woman at the time. Mm-hmm. And that same neighbor who suspected him had approached the girlfriend and said, hey, I think this is him. And she was like, what? No. And then she let it go. Mm-hmm. And then saw the show and was like, no, this is definitely him. Oh, wow. And that was like a year later. So it's impressive that they were able to make that sculpture. I know. Despite him cutting out all the pictures. Yeah. And like we were talking about, like he was getting really confident and like going to church groups and really putting himself out there and just living a normal life. It's still in the same field, too. He was still yeah. being an accountant. Yeah. He's like, it's not me. He took off his glasses. I'm a new person. Surprise. <laughs> I don't know how those fingerprints match my fingerprints. That's got a, weird. You got a haircut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he wears John. green shirts instead of yellow now. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> my name's Bob. It's Bob, John. damn it. Do you think he accidentally um, answered to John? Probably. Unless like, he convinced himself. You know, sometimes you hear people talking Bob. and they're like, what? And then it's not you they're talking to. <laughs> happens all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. I bet he did. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to our group, True Crime. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it and it really does help. All right. Thanks so much. We will catch you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. bye.